Okay, so I put out the poll question of the day kind of last minute, but got some really interesting responses to it. And that is, what is the most heated Stanley Cup final of all time? Now, there are plenty that focus on 2011. We're going to get there in a couple of seconds. A couple of more old school ones as well. That's pretty cool. Um, But once again, like speaking of 2011, the embers are still simmering and the embers are still burning. And the embers got really hot yesterday with uh, Zdeno Chara. (laughs) This is awesome. Uh, And this will probably bleed into Hockey Night in Canada tomorrow. Calgary Flames, Toronto Maple Leafs with this as the sidebar or the undercard. Who knows? So Zdeno Chara was a guest on a podcast called Games with Names and went down memory lane with his memories of his Boston Bruins in the Stanley Cup final against the Vancouver Canucks. Have a listen. We saw players from Vancouver coming on the ice in the garden, and they were actually practicing how they would be lifting the cup and handing off the cup to each other. And we found out about these things, and we were like... Bullets like we are not gonna allow this happen. You know, it just it just fueled us. <laughs> okay, did it happen? Didn't it happen? I texted with Kevin Bieksa, our colleague, last night, and he said 100% false. This never happened. We were dialed into games. We didn't even discuss things like a Stanley Cup parade or you know passing off Stanley Cups to one another. Uh, and he's not amused about this. And tomorrow, I mean, listen, Saturday night is always special and always has been uh, in Canada with Hockey Night in Canada. Tomorrow, you might want to tune in specifically to hear Kevin Bieksa's response to Zidane Ochara. Um, And that fueled the question today. And and a couple of them are really interesting. Uh, From Dylan Carter, Brett Hall's foot in the crease was pretty heated in a cup final, and that carried on for years. That is true. The only caveat here is there doesn't seem to be, now Sabres and Stars fans can correct me if I'm wrong here, like a real hot rivalry between the Stars and the Sabres that lasts to this day. Certainly uh, with Buffalo Sabres fans and Brett Hull specifically, who continues to troll, whether it's by way of T-shirts with the foot in the crease. Uh, you remember when he did the, uh, carved out, someone carved out the pumpkin of the foot in the crease as well. So I think the, the the hockey hatred between the Buffalo Sabres, their fans, and Brett Hall specifically endures to that day, this day. I'm just not sure that it's there for Sabres and Stars anywhere close to the way it is or the way it was between the Boston Bruins um, and the Vancouver Canucks. T-Hop says after the uh, Ed Hospodar incident in 1985, that was a, a, a heated final. So that's a... That's an interesting one as well. Those are my, you know, throughout the 80s, those might have been my two favorite teams to meet during the Stanley Cup final. I think the 1987 one was better than the 1985 one, but the, uh, and they both had their underpinnings and undertones of violence and hatred. The Ed Hospodar incident, as I try to turn this show into a hockey history program, the, um, although everything is history, because I'm talking about things that happened in the past. Um, it's like Mitch Hedberg used to say, hey, man, you want to see a picture of me from when I was younger? Every picture is a picture of you from when you're younger. Think about it. Uh, the Ed Hospodar incident was with Mark Napier. This one would have been game three, and Brian Lewis, who was the referee, missed this one. It was either a, a cross-check or a slash to the face. 
of Mark Napier from Ed Hospitar, who was a, listen, I don't need to remind you guys, real tough hockey player. Uh, it went uncalled, and the Oilers were hot to the to the point where, and I'm going to paraphrase this and maybe butcher it a little bit, but Joel, as they say in Slapshot, I'm sure you'll know that I'm trying to capture the spirit of the thing here. Um, Glenn Sather of the Edmonton Oilers said, they're going to need two boxes for Ed Hospitar, one for his head and one for his body. Yes, that very much was one of the more heated Stanley Cup finals uh, we have ever seen. There was a lot, Pittsburgh and Detroit, with, you know, with Zetterberg uh, and Yevgeny Malkin throwing down. That was certainly spicy. I guess to some extent, maybe a little bit of... Maybe a little bit of Anaheim and Ottawa in 2007 with Alfredson firing the puck at Scott Niedermeyer. But that doesn't burn to this day quite unlike it still does between the Boston Bruins and the Vancouver Canucks. None of the fans have forgotten, and they're still arguing on social media as if it's fresh. We'll get into this with Fridge here in a couple of seconds. Uh, bottom of this hour, Brent Thompson's going to stop by, head coach of the Bridgeport Islanders, um, and, of course, the father of Tage Thompson, who is the story this week and has been for a while now uh, around the NHL after his five-game performance a couple of nights back against the Columbus Blue Jackets. We'll get on the Calgary Flames page with Pat Steinberg, host of Flames Talk on Sportsnet 960. Uh, we're going to also do a little weekend review with our man Matt Marchese. There was a lot um, this week, and we'll catch you up and head you into the weekend. Welcome to it, Merrick Show across the Sportsnet Radio Network. Let's get going. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. All right, welcome back to the program. Welcome aboard. Glad to have you on today. Thanks for being with me all week long. Tomorrow, Hockey Night in Canada. It's the Calgary Flames and the Toronto Maple Leafs. And listen, Hockey Night is always destination programming. And this week, it just got a little bit spicier. You know, with the sidebar of Kevin Bieksa and Zidane Chara. With that, we'll bring in Elliot Friedman from 32 Thoughts and Hockey Night in Canada. You know, Elliot, we talked a lot about the uh, the Chara claims and the Bieksa refutes on the podcast. But the one thing, because, listen, you saw this thing get lit ablaze on social media yeah. last night right away. And it's Boston fans and Vancouver fans. You know, there have been some really heated Stanley Cup finals that we've been able to uh, we've been able to see. Uh, one person tweeted in about 85 with the Hospital Napier incident. Um, you know, there's a you know there's some some pretty good heat between the Detroit Red Wings and the Pittsburgh Penguins. We think about Malkin and we think about Zetterberg. I don't think that there's there's any Stanley Cup rivalry that still has active embers quite like Vancouver and Boston. That still burns, and that is still fresh even to this day, Ellie. Like, players from those teams are already in the Hall of Fame, and the and the embers are still burning. I think that's a great point, Jeff. Like, I have to say, that was the best Stanley Cup I've ever been a part of, just in terms of the quality of the play, the drama of the series, uh, I would also say this, the, the group we traveled with at Hockey Night in Canada, um, we had way too much fun on, during, that, <laughs> during that final. I still can't believe some nights we even made it to air. Uh, we had way too much fun on, on that trip. It was everything about that Stanley Cup. That was the uh, – so, this is a story for PJ to tell, to tell but – that was the that was the final. I accidentally erased his phone. Um, I like remember was, that. I remember uh, that. Not one of my proudest moments, I have to say. 
but just everything about that series uh, was was phenomenal. Yeah. And you know, the other thing too, it's 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 true that you mentioned that because when the pandemic started, I wrote a big piece on. It turned out to be a two-part piece for the Sportsnet website on the 2011 Canucks, and every player was willing to talk yeah. about it, and uh, and it was really well read. And then you may remember, but also during the pandemic, the 2011 Bruins had an online reunion by Zoom, and yep. Yep. they were talking about. I remember at one point, I think it was Mark Recchi said. Like, the Canucks are still making excuses for how hurt they were. And I think it was Lucic who said, well, we were hurt too. And uh, and they, uh, the rest of them agreed. It, you know, it's true, Jeff. There, there's no question that there is something about that yeah. final that evokes serious passion among people. And I, I have to agree. I, I, it was the best final. As far as I'm concerned, it was the best final I ever covered. Just because of... Yeah. the drama and the emotion of the series and the quality of play. The quality of play was great. There were like lead changes within the series. Vancouver jumps out to the, uh, to the, to the big lead and, and Boston storms back. There was, you know, yep. goalies chirping at each other. Like, like those, the, like the, the, the Luongo Tim Thomas press conferences were much view. Like you had to see those. Um, there were, you know, there were injuries there was, uh, you know, uh, a, a lot of violence between the two yep. teams. And, but to, to me, it's like that, that's all on the ice. And I know there's a lot of players that still haven't let it go and it, and it still burns. But to me, the fan bases, like yes. to this day, like normally like after, after a series is done and maybe there's a period of time and cooling off and maybe some players from one team have now gone to the other team and you kind of chill it out and everything's okay. It's Elliot, and you saw it again last night. It's still like this series just wrapped up and we were still just sweeping up in Vancouver. Like that's still how fresh this thing seems. Like this is... Like y'all know about, and you know about, you know rivalries where players will take their their hatred from, you know, about other teams or other players, you know, to their grave. That used to be a thing in the NHL. You were on your team, period, and you hated everybody else. That doesn't really happen in hockey at all now anymore. Maybe mm-hmm. the only exception is Vancouver and Boston. Like I can still see a lot of players taking a lot of, you know, hockey hate you know, with them for the remainder of their lives. You know what else happened right before that series that we always forget? And it doesn't really have anything to do with the series, but I think it it added a, another level to it was the, the, the Thrashers moved to Winnipeg. And so that was, that was, I think, announced on May 31st. I think the Stanley Cup final started the next day. And... Yeah. I, I remember people talking to me about that was such a big deal because obviously the Jets had left and now they were coming back. And p- hockey fans in Canada were really puffing out their chests, right? Like, okay, yeah, we're back. We got one. And now a Canadian, now yeah. a Canadian team's going for the cup. Now we have this strange tribal way with our teams here. Like I, I've told you this many times, and, and people have heard me say this many times. By the time I get fired from Hockey Night in Canada, which, you know, could be next week, <laughs> uh, I hope 
I hope I get to cover a Canadian team winning the Stanley Cup. I don't care which one it is. I just want to see one of them win. And, but the fans in this country aren't always like that. There's a lot. There's some who are like, like I remember when Otto was going for the Stanley Cup in 2007 against uh, against uh, Anaheim. Like there were fans in Winnipeg who wanted to see Solani win, and and I I got that. I understood that. But yeah. there were I remember they reading columns in like Alberta papers, and they were like, I can't root for Ottawa. <laughs> I'd rather see the Ducks win. <laughs> and I remember just, I remember like reading that and just laughing. I was like, oh, come on. But, you know, we're very tribal. Like, there, like there are yeah. Canadian fans who wanted to see the Canucks win, and there were Canadian fans who wanted to see them lose so badly. Like, like if the Maple Leafs ever are in the Stanley Cup final, half the country is going to be rooting for them to win, and half the country is going to be rooting for yeah. them to lose. Like, we're we're funny like well, that. Like that's that's the way we are. You you remember that Los Angeles Kings tweet after the Kings knocked out the Vancouver Canucks? You're welcome, rest of Canada, or something yeah, like that. True. Like that, that was very very much a thing. Okay, so that leads into the next question. And we saw both both you know candidates A and B in action last night. Which Canadian team then, Elliot, do you think is right now closest to a Stanley Cup and is the fight between only two teams, Winnipeg and Toronto? Well, I think right now you, you have to pick Toronto because they're on an incredible tear. Um, and they're on a tear where they've been missing a lot of players and, they, they, and they've had their goalies hurt at times. And they're also on a tear playing away where you know, they haven't always played. And their their best players, including one in particular, are on a real heater. And so that's the team you have to pick right now. I think Winnipeg is really interesting. Um, you know, I, to, to me, the Jets, and this is the way it has to go, their best players are consistently being their best players. You know, Hellebach, uh, yep. someone texted me this morning, uh, a guy I know who loves his goalies, says, who's your Vesna pick right now? It wasn't Greg Wyshynski, but it might as well have been. Um, like, uh, who's your Vesna hmm. pick right now? And I said, it has to be Hellebach. Like, he, he is the guy right now. But, you know, there's, like, I, I watched the Jets. Um, like, their top players are consistently really good. And now I wonder, like, we all know Toronto. Hang on, Elliot. Hang on, Fridge. Hold on. Hang on, Fridge. Fridge. Hold on one second. You're, you're going through a wind tunnel or something. We're gonna give you a but we're gonna give you a buzz back here in a second. It's just hard to it's hard to make out what you're saying. The your points about uh, about Connor Hellebuck. Let's give Elliot a uh, a quick buzz back. It's uh, a little bit windy as he goes on his walk at this time every day and uh, and chimes in. Um, you know, interesting with Winnipeg beating the St. Louis Blues last night. And we'll get on the Blues page because you know that's probably as close as we've seen Craig Berube. If you follow the quotes after has come that's probably the closest he's come to just throwing his hands up in the air and saying I don't know what to do with this team sorry but we got you back here uh, we got you back here Fried. your point about Connor Hellebuck and the Vesna yeah well I first of all I moved out of the wind tunnel so sorry about that um that's okay you know I, I think the thing with, with with Hellebuck is like he's my guy right now but the other thing I look at the Jets is I think their best players are turning in consistently good performances from Hellebuck on down. And I, like, I think mm. he's been great. I think Morrissey's been great. I think their top line has consistently been uh, very good. 
And now the other thing I wonder about the Jets is, like, we know Toronto's going to do something. I think right now their plan is defense first and then maybe another score. I know there's a big debate about that, but I think that's what their plan is right now. But I, I'm now starting to wonder about the Jets. Are they going to add? Do they look at this as hmm. a year where they really go for it? And I don't think it's early anymore. I, I think you look at this right now and you say they're, they're building something here and they're going in a good direction here. And at what point do they say, okay, we've got to think about what we need and when we're going to go out and get it. Hmm. You know, the other, um, that, that, that is interesting. And listen, last night they handed it to the St. Louis Blues, and I want to ask you about Craig Berube here in a couple of seconds. But for the second straight game, um, Pierre-Luc Dubois had three points. And as much as we talk about Josh Morrissey and his 28 points, five goals, and 23 assists, um, Pierre-Luc Dubois has 28 points in 25 games as well like Shafley's having a good year uh Perfetti's having a good year Wheeler's having a really good year you already mentioned Connor Hellebuck you know here's Pierre-Luc Dubois who's you know agent you know sort of openly mused when he was a albeit restricted free agent in the summer mused about him going to Montreal that's when the the draft was taking place so the the timing was impeccable um but you know here's Pierre-Luc Dubois who's leading the team in scoring, and we're all wondering what they end up doing with him because the belief very much is that his long-term play is to get to the halves. Do you have a thought on that one? Well, I don't think you have to make that decision now. Um, And the thing is, like, play dictates. Circumstances dictate. Yes, I agree that Dubois made it very clear to the Jets in the uh, last season that he wasn't going to sign long-term. Um, and, but the Jets still had his rights for two years before he became a UFA. So now it's one year plus. That gives the Jets time to figure out where they want to go here. And the way they're playing this year, and again, this is purely me, I'm letting it play out. Mm-hmm. I'm saying, look, I'm not tampering with this right now. As you said, he's having a really good year. They're having a really good year. Is there really any rush to trade them? You know what? No, I, I don't think there is. I, I think if, if this keeps yeah. going this way, you just say, we'll, deal, we'll punt this to the summer. We'll let this play out. We'll see where we go, and we'll deal with it in the summer. And, that's what, and, and the one thing about Kevin Chevalier is he's always been patient. He has never been afraid oh, yeah. to wait. So I, I would be surprised if he did anything different. You know, the, um, the the game last night was a really interesting one. Uh, Winnipeg over St. Louis. Like, we've, listen, we've talked plenty about the the streakiness of the St. Louis Blues. You know, win three, lose eight. Win seven, lose six of seven. So they get yeah. beaten by the Winnipeg Jets last night. Uh, who, by the way, yeah. to, to your point previous, one more thing to add. That's the fifth time in six games that the Winnipeg Jets have put up a five spot. Like they're, yeah, like we thought this was going to be Rick Bonus two to one, two two to one hockey, and not so fast. This team is filling the net, and they're doing it without Nikolai Ehlers. More on them at another date. But after the game, you know, Craig Berube's comments were were fascinating, and if you're a St. Louis Blues fan, probably pretty depressing. Um, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he did make reference to his players not having a team-first attitude. Yeah. That is, a, that is a serious body blow 
to all of those players. Like that is a significant. That's not like well he did this guy didn't have it today. You know I was a you know the this player didn't you know didn't didn't do exactly what we wanted. Talking about not having team first attitude when you talk about you know liver shots to a player that's going to take you yeah. down to one knee. Isn't that one of them? Like that is a that's a bomb from Craig Berube to his team for each. It is, and you know, and I'm always the thing I'm always curious about, like, like the thing I've always liked about Barube is that he's an honest guy. If you ask him a question, you better be ready for the answer, because he's not a guy who sugarcoats things, right? And so yep. that's, the, that's the thing I like the most about him. The one thing I always wonder about is, okay, you deliver that in the emotion of the game. What does everybody say today? Like the next game day that the Blues and Barube meet the media, what are the follow-ups mm-hmm. going to be? Like, for example, after the Columbus game the other night, Eric and Branson, after the team meeting, said, we don't practice very well or something like that. And that became a thing. And today, after the morning skate, because they're playing Calgary tonight, he kind of said, look, yep. guys, this is what I meant. I said, look. We don't, I'm not blaming the coaches. I'm just saying we as players don't practice well enough. So that's kind of the one thing I always like to do is say, all right, here's the answer in the emotion of the question. And I will say this, Craig Berube isn't the kind of guy to walk things back, but I just want to see where it goes. The next availability, does it, does, does does anyone double down? Do any of the players publicly take issue like, where do we go from here? But you'll remember when you go back to Doug Armstrong and he spoke about the Blues when they were losing, he talked about that. There's, I, I always remember one thing. He says there's too many backdoor tap-in goals, things like that. And that's a team thing, Jeff. Like, you have, you have two kids mm-hmm. playing hockey. Yeah. You, you know if it's a backdoor yep. tap-in goal, is that the goalie's fault? Or is that the fault nope. of... Either it's an odd man rush or a back a defense and a forward is supposed to be defending doesn't make the play. That it's B. Yeah. And that's, and I that's, think the that, blues that's five guys that's that problem. That's, that's five guys puck watching is what that is. Yes. That's five guys stare, staring at the puck. That's that's that play. hundred percent. We'll we'll see where St. Louis you know, the goes. Other thing too is, the other thing too is Jeff is that and we've talked about this with the Blues. They're a team doing an identity makeover. And their, their identity yeah. when they won the Cup was one thing, and their identity now is different. And they're still trying to find out who they are. They are. Um, one person who has no problem with their identity and is very comfortable in his skin, whether he's on Calgary or now the Florida Panthers, is Matthew Kachuk. Matthew Kachuk has 37 points. Matthew Kachuk had yep. one plus one yesterday. Panthers over the Red Wings. Uh, really happy for Chris Cherney, uh, who gets called up yes. in the second game, opens the scoring. That's a great one for him. Um, Barkoff is back after missing six. You know, we've, and uh, Spencer Knight was out with a, a non COVID related illness. Uh, Bobrovsky ushered into duty, and I think it was 16 or 17 saves. Not a, not a whole lot of work, but nonetheless got the win. Uh, you have a thought right now on the, on the Florida Panthers. They're, they're facing a tough Tampa team tomorrow, but um, a, a thought on the Cats here. Like we've talked about how they want to be built more for the playoffs, but in today's NHL, getting there is not a tap in. 
Well, first of all, I'd like to thank the Panthers for taking the in-season cup out of your hands for the first time in five weeks. <laughs> like, it was, it was annoying over, and infuriating. It's over. It's over. Oh, the in-season cup is over. It's done. see how you lose it's this. Done. I, I cannot it's done. Wait. First of all, Panthers are playing Tampa. I have Tampa. Aaron Ambrose's run is a cozy two days, and that's it. <laughs> I hope they play this in their dressing room tomorrow because <laughs> I'm sure that'll really motivate them. To beat Tampa Bay. Uh, yeah. Hey guys, in season cup, Merrick's gunning for it again. Yeah, that's the motivation for the Cats. Anyway, Florida Panthers. We're gonna lose. Um, I like. I thought they were uh, like. I, I thought they were really good. Like, uh, uh, you know, like the fact that Detroit only got 16, 17 shots is, is an indication of how they played. Um, you know the thing there. The, the yeah. thing there in Florida is, I still think as a group, they're kind of thin defensively. They don't have. Uh, I think if you are ready the defense cores uh, through a lot of places in the uh, Eastern Conference, I mean they, they got great scores. They got great offensive-minded players, but I just I just don't know if they're if they're strong enough defensively, Jeff. I I don't and and. The other thing, too, is I, I think they're a team that would like to do things to add to that, but, but they've moved yeah. a lot of their best assets. So it's, it's not going to be yep. easy for them to go out and get like a, an absolute difference maker somewhere because they just can't afford to move or don't have the ability to move they, from what other teams have. They, they, it's a great point. They're in this very unenviable position of they're at a point where we all know what they've done with draft picks, specifically first rounders, um, some prospects. And we think of Owen Tippett and the Claude Giroux deal. They're in the place now where if they're going to move an asset to bring in something significant, you know, they've run out of, I think, players that they don't necessarily see in their future. And anything that they move now, the first job after they move that player is trying to fill that spot. So whether it's one of the goalies, whether it's uh, Anton Lundell, whether it's one of these types of players, you're just you know using that asset to 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 fix one problem, but in the process you create another. And and I'm with you on the blue line. Like I think that like we talked about this at the time. Man, they miss Mackenzie Weger. Like you get Matthew Kachuk, okay, cool. You can give up Jonathan Huberto. Man, they miss Mackenzie Weger. They miss yep. Mackenzie Weger. Like I like Ekblad and Forsling as a first pair, offensively. But you're right. Like this is this is specifically a blue line that has a hard time defending. I'm I'm with you about a million percent. Now I do like Ekblad and Forsling. I just don't like them in their own yep. zone. But offensively, fantastic. Just fantastic. Yeah, I, like like I don't think they're gonna have any trouble outscoring teams, Jeff. Not at all. Um, you know, it'll be interesting. You know, uh, Hornquist just got hurt. So, unfortunately, yep. I mean, the only good news about that is it means that when Duclair is ready, they don't have to rush someone off their roster. Um, but eventually they will once Hornquist is healthy. So we'll see what that does. Like, like the one thing I think with the Panthers is they – I think they had a plan uh, with, the, with that trade they made with Calgary – it was going to hurt them for this year, and then they were going to see what kind of cap flexibility they were going to have after this year. And that might still mm-hmm. be the case, but 
but you don't want to take a step back where you go from the regular season they had last year and a first-round playoff win to you don't make the playoffs at all. And, uh, I mean, it'll be interesting. Like, this is – that was a big win for them last night. I, I, it just looks like some of these teams that missed the playoffs last year in the East, they have a little bit of staying power. And that's going to be a challenge for them. It sure is. Uh, on that, we'll let you get back to your walk. Thanks, as always, Fridge. Uh, tomorrow, watch for you on the Magic Eyeball on Hockey Night, where uh, we'll come for the Toronto-Calgary game, which is one of three on the board for Hockey Night tomorrow, the Los Angeles Kings and Montreal Canadiens. Late, we've got the Wild and the Canucks, but we'll stay for the Kevin Bieksa retort to Zdeno Chara, which should be juicy. I think, we should call, I think we should call the Hockey Hall of Fame, Jeff, and have them bring the replica Stanley Cup before the show. And we'll just pass it around to each other for an hour and a half. Uh, paging Phil Pritchard, if you're using, if you're listening, or Mike Bolt, Bolty, if you're listening, like send the cup to uh, to One Mount Pleasant tomorrow. Uh, all right, great stuff, Fridge. We'll uh, we'll check you out tomorrow. All right, Jeff, take care. Pass the pass the cup around. That's uh, that's juicy, Junior. That's real juicy, as they said in Reservoir Dogs.